0: Chapter ninth of Mildred Keith by Martha Finlay This LibriVox recording is in the public domain CHAPTER Ninth Tis Necessity To Which the Gods Must Yield The children had said their prayers, tired little heads were laid on soft white pillows, weary young limbs stretched out to rest, and leaving a kiss on each rosy mouth, the mother went downstairs to rejoin her husband and aunt in the sitting room. She found Mrs. Pryor with them. The good woman had just run in to tell them of a girl in want of a place. "'I don't know anything about her,' she went on, "'except that she's a right decent-looking girl and wants to work out a spell, "'and that they tell me the family's English, respectable but poor. "'If you would wish to give her a trial, Miss Keith, I've an opportunity to send her word this evening, "'and as like as not she'd get a chance to come in with some of the country folks to-morrow.' Mrs. Keith gladly gave consent, feeling at the moment, as if almost any sort of help would be better than none, then asked, "'Is there any school in town that you would recommend for my little girls, Mrs. Pryor?' "'Well, I don't know but one, and I've my doubts about that being such as you'd want to send them to. Damaris Drybread's the teacher, and I shouldn't judge by her talk that she'd a finished education, not by no means. Still, she may do well enough for the little ones. I haven't any, you know, so I haven't tried her.' "'Suppose we have a light,' suggested mr keith it's growing too dark for us to see each other's faces mildred rose went to the kitchen and presently returned with a lighted candle and a pair of snuffers which she placed on the table miss stanhope was asking what sort of society was to be found in the place to which mrs pryor made answer well ma'am we've pretty much all sorts and yet don't divide up in circles like they do in a good many places i suppose there'll be more of that as the town grows larger "'There's educated folks that's fond of books and the like, and know what manners is, and how to talk well. "'And there's others that's rough and ignorant, yet mostly well-meaning with it all, real honest and industrious. "'There are very few thieves, if any. Folks leave their doors unlocked, sometimes wide open at night, "'and their clothes hanging out in the line, and I never hear of anything being took. "'There's very little drinking, either. A drunken man's a rare sight with us.' "'There are a good many New Englanders here, are there not?' inquired Mr. Keith. "'Yes, quite a good many, and from York State and Pennsylvania and Virginia. "'From Jersey, too. "'I hail from there myself. "'But I must be going. "'It's getting late. "'Evening's so short this time of year. "'And however it may be with Mr. Keith, "'I know you women folks are tired enough to be ready for bed. "'Now don't be formal with me, but run in whenever you can. "'I'll always be glad to see you. "'No, never mind your hat, Mr. Keith. "'I don't want a bow, for I'm not the least might afraid. "'Good night to you all.' And she hurried away. "'The candle was flaring and wasting in the wind.' Miss Stanhope hastened to snuff it, remarking, "'These are miserable tallows. Get me some candle to-morrow, Stuart, and I'll try to make some that will be an improvement upon them. We have the moulds and the wick. All we want is the tallow.' Near noon of the next day, a flauntily dressed young woman walked in at the open door and introduced herself to Mrs. Keith as the English girl, the viney apple, that Mrs. Pryor had recommended. Mrs. Keith received her kindly. "'Can you cook and do general housework?' she asked. "'Yes, Mum. Of course that's what I came for.' "'I hope you'll understand how to work, but it's not to be expected that your way will always be what will suit me best. So I trust you're willing to be directed.' "'If you're not too hard to please, Mum, i I'll suit, I'm sure. "'We'll try it. Zillah, show Varney where she's to sleep.' "'Is she to come to the table?' asked Mildred, when the two had disappeared up the stairway. "'We shall see. I've not spoken of it yet.' You won't put up with that, mother, surely. I think I must, if that's the only condition on which we can have help with our housework. On coming down, Viney was directed to set the table for dinner, shown where to find the requisite articles, told how many were in the family, and left to the performance of her task. Mildred noted the number of places set on, and saw that Viney had counted herself in with the rest. You have one plate too many, she said with some sharpness of tone. No, miss— we certainly have here are eleven and we are only ten and i make eleven returned viney a hot flush on her cheek and an angry gleam in her eyes you yes miss i am as good as the rest and if i cook the victuals i have a right to eat em a warning glance from her mother's eye checked the angry exclamation on the tip of mildred's tongue we will consent to your coming to the table with us viney on condition that you are always neat and tidy in appearance mrs keith remarked in a quiet tone and now you may help me to dish up the dinner aunt wealthy was busied with her candle-moulds in one corner of the kitchen putting in the wicks so that question's settled she said in a sigh to her niece and i think you've done wisely marcia the faces that surrounded the dinner table that day were a study those of miss stanhope and mrs keith wore their usual placid expression but mildred's was flushed and angry "'Rupert's full of astonishment, reflected to some extent by the younger ones, "'while that of the newcomer expressed self-assertion and defiance. "'Mr. Keith glanced quizzically from one to another for a moment. "'Then he gave his attention to filling the plates, "'talking at the same time in a cheerful strain. "'I've found a lot, wife, which I think will suit us for building on. "'If nobody feels too tired for a walk after tea, we'll all go and look at it. "'It's to be for the family, and the family must decide as to its merits.' This turned the current of thought and all the young people grew eager and animated. It was quite evident that no one intended to be too much fatigued to be of the party of inspection. In the midst of the talk, a low, half-terrified exclamation from Fan drew the attention of all, and following the direction of her glance they saw a tall Indian in the doorway, while beyond in the street were many others, some on foot, some on horseback, some in the act of dismounting. They were of both sexes and all ages, the papooses tied into little wooden troughs which the mothers stood up on end on the ground. The babies were very quiet, not a whimper to be heard from any of them, though they were deprived of the use of their hands, their clothing being a straight strip of cloth folded around their bodies, in such a way as to pin their poor little arms down to their sides, and had nothing to amuse them but a string of tiny bells stretched across the trough in front of their faces. "'Ugh!' said the Indian on the doorstep. "'Shop! and he pointed from a basket of berries his squaw had set down beside him to the loaf on the table oh do let's give it to him no no and what will do if we don't cried viney in a fright it will be a good enough exchange said mr keith taking the loaf and handing it to the indian bring a pan for the berries the indian passed the loaf on to his squaw with a grunt of satisfaction poured a quart or so of berries into the pan viney had hastened to bring then again pointed to the table "'What now?' asked Mr. Keith, good-humouredly. The Indian replied by a gesture, as if lifting a cup to his lips, and Mildred saying, "'He's thirsty,' hastened to pour out a tumbler of milk and hand it to him. He drank it, returned the glass with a nod of thanks, and walked away. "'I'll just run out and water him all,' said Viney, hurrying to the kitchen for a bucket and tin cup. "'It's always best to keep on the good side of him, folks, tell me, if you don't want to run no risk of losin' the hair off your head.' Mr. Keith was standing in the doorway where the Indian had been a moment before. "'Come and look at them, wife, all of you,' he said. "'It's been quite a show, and there's not the least danger.' Thus encouraged, the children crowded to the door and window, and found much amusement in watching the movements of the savages, and Viney's efforts to win favour with them. Efforts apparently well-directed, for the day was warm, and they drank the cool water freshly drawn from the well in the yard, as if they found it very refreshing.' The troops, some thirty or forty in number, did not tarry long. In less than an hour they had all remounted and gone on their way. "'There, them savage wild hindons, all clear gone, and our sculps is safe for the present,' remarked, Viney with a sigh of relief as the last one disappeared from view in a cloud of dust far down the street. She had run d- out to the corner of the house, dish-towel in hand, to watch their movements as far as she could see them. "'Don't talk so. You'll frighten the children,' said Mildred reprovingly, speaking from the front door where she stood with the little ones grouped around her. "'I don't take my holders from you,' muttered the girl, stalking back to her kitchen. After an early tea the proposed family walk was taken. The lot, a little farther to the north than any which had been built upon as yet, on the high river-bank and overlooking the ferry, was pronounced all that could be desired.' It was on a corner, and on two sides afforded a fine view of the river, on the others of town and country. "'When we have our house built,' remarked Mr. Keith, "'we'll be able to see the Kankakee Marsh from the second-story windows.' "'Marsh!' repeated his wife in a tone of alarm. "'How far off is it?' "'We're about two miles from this end. It's two hundred miles long, you remember, extending far over into Illinois. "'But why that sigh?' "'Egg!' "'Well, don't let us cross the bridge before we come to it. "'This is a beautiful spot. "'I think we can, in a few years, make it superior in Point of Beauty to any we have ever lived in.' "'I think so, too. "'If we can keep these fine old oaks—' "'There were several of them, grand old trees that had stood the storms of centuries, perhaps. "'We will. "'We'll manage our building in a way not to interfere with them.' At that Mildred's face brightened as it had not since her first sight of the yellow house. She had been very homesick for the dear old home in Lansdale, though not a word of it had she breathed even into her mother's sympathetic ear. "'How soon can the house be done?' she asked. "'Better inquire first how soon it will be begun,' laughed her father. "'If we get into it by next spring we may consider ourselves fortunate.' "'Oh, dear!' sighed the children with one accord. "'The time will slip around before you know it, dears,' remarked their aunt cheerily. "'and we'll get the ground fence soon and let you spend your leisure time "'and exercise your taste in ingenuity and ingenuity in beautifying it,' said their father. "'And may we all help plan the house?' asked Rupert. "'Mr. Keith smiled, a kindly, good-natured smile, with some amusement in it, too. "'You may all make suggestions. "'It is to be our house, not the parents' only, but the children's, too.'" End of Chapter 9